This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, everybody. Carm Capriato. Welcome. I have a great panel today. I'm excited to do this. Dave Shadeen. Good to see you, Dave. We've done, just recently, we did a great camp Facebook thing on leadership and sure appreciated you being on. And thanks for coming back. Honored to have you. Dave Shadeen, certified master level coach, trainer, and seminar facilitator to business owners, managers, service advisors, and technicians from CompuTrek Automotive Solutions at CompuTrekSystems.com and Service Intel. Partnering up with George Antico from Service Intel. Auto service made easy. God, I love that. That's really kind of cool. It's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Hey, plan to be at Apex 2023, October 31st through November 2nd. Apex will build upon the incredible success of Joe's Garage, a full 10-bay working environment. If you earn your living in the auto service aftermarket, then Apex is for you. Hey, did you know that Napa Tracks has on-site training plus six days a week support? It all starts when a local representative meets with you to learn about your business and how you run it. After all, it's your shop, so it's your choice. Let us prove to you that Trax is the single best shop management system in the business. Find Napa Trax on the web at napatracs.com. This episode is going to be all about best practices on loving your customers. And guys, I love the word love. I just do. And we're afraid sometimes to say it and to use it and to feel it. And I always tell people that if you want to introduce love into the business, tell everybody, what are you going soft on us? What is this? Let's get the tissue box out. No, it's about the caring that we have for our customers, our clients, our own selves, and how we can equate. If Why not take what you do in the family and bring it to work? You love your family. I hear the word I love you more now than ever in my lifetime when parents and kids get together. It's amazing. You know, it's funny because for the last probably since 2010, one major life event happened, I really understood that principle that people want to do business with people. They don't want to do business with companies. They want to do business with people. The two most powerful business principles on this planet are love and grace. We're not doormats. We're not walking in a false humility, but we have the grace enough to call somebody, we used to call it, call them on the carpet for their crap, but more importantly, it's call them the gold out of them to come in. We talked about that in the leadership, but it's also just as important to love and grace your customers from a place of really wanting the best for them, which really comes down to the best for the vehicle and having to love them enough to tell them, you know, Mr. Jones, I know you've deferred that dark transmission fluid. This will be your third time deferring that. We got to have the ability to step into love and grace to not condemn them for keep putting it off, own the fact that maybe we didn't describe it in such a way they saw the value. Anyway, well, actually, there's three high, there's three big principles of business, love and grace and puns. You must have puns in the mix to make it effective. <laughs> uh, Dave's our pun master, right, George? How do you do a phone call with Dave, George, and not having 10 puns dropped on you in the first eight minutes? I... Stop smiling on purpose. <laughs> I say, okay, I had a third one is good, but fourth, I don't know. No, but Dave is, I don't use this word loosely, but I think he's genius level and it's a huge blessing that we have him in the automotive industry. So actually, he's a lot of fun too. He's quite funny and competent. And so what brought us together is a connection where solving something not only for the shop, 
within the automotive trade that has to do with knowing who needs what. And that is with recurring maintenance. It is, of course, mining our database and aging it based on how much the vehicle is driven. And this provides an honest exchange with my customer. And that's where the affectionate service, the respectful service is grounded, right? If I'm going to touch your car and you're my friend, what would I do? Right. Well, I would not sell you something you don't need, but always sell you everything you need to keep the exchange and the contract that I have in taking care of you and your family and your little ones, right? They're in my hands. So then I want to have a process that allows me to do that for you and fulfill that contract. George uh, was with me on a podcast. I'm embarrassed to say how long ago, George, because I've always wanted to have you on. So accept my apology that it's been way too long. It was 2017. Oh my God. Was it? Yeah, it was 2017. A brilliant podcast, incredible stuff. And you have been so successful in all that time. And I love everything that your company does. It used to be called eautoclub.com. And you, of course, wisely changed it to Service Intel. And we want to hear about how this works, why it's important. And Dave, the best practices of loving on our customers. You know, the story of, of the technology that George brought to the industry is really an entrepreneurial story. And many people think an entrepreneurial dream is, where do I want to live? How much money do I want to make? What are my entrepreneurial ventures going to get me? That's not a true entrepreneurial dream. Michael Gerber worded in such a way, the true entrepreneurial dream is looking out in society and saying, that upsets me. You know what? Somebody ought to do something about that. The true entrepreneurial dreamer will be somebody that says, I'm going to go get a solution. And so with that, I want to tee up, you know, maybe George talk about why is it that you created service intelligence from your experience as a shop owner? Late in my career, this was my fourth entrepreneurial venture. I had rise and fall four times. <laughs> so I needed to get enough money to keep my kids in the schools and in college and all of these things that we have to provide. So I tried to get a job and no one would pay me what I needed to cover the nut. And so there was this automotive shop that a friend of ours had, and he couldn't make it run. He couldn't make any money on it, and he just sold it to me. I had never serviced a car in my life, right? So the reason why I did it is I had a, a friend, a good mechanic, that was looking. I had known him for four or five years, and he could never find a shop. And I told him, why don't you come in with me? You know, we'll buy the shop. The problem was that he was in, he's a master tech. He was fixing cars all the time. So managing the shop was my responsibility. And we were using CCI Triad. This is 1998 through 2002. So I'm talking about two decades ago. We were using CCI Triad, a DOS system. And Mitchell was trying to sell me their Windows version. And I thought my service writer can type so fast. And he was not waiting for the screens to load. He knew how to navigate the system. I I can't change management systems on them. So I stuck with the old technology, right? You would think that I would immediately go by because my background is in computer science and accounting. I wanted to have the shiniest thing as far as computers were concerned, but I wasn't going to mess that up because the service writer was awesome. But when 
Mrs. Wilson would come in and she had 14 visits on our records, he would ask her, hi, what can I do for you? That's how the conversation started. And I would look at him and I say, we're sitting on a million line items of service history and you're asking her. And then I understood that management systems don't track service records. They don't know the difference between a repair and maintenance. And therefore, this was something I said, okay, well, I'm going to look for a CRM company that actually I was with RL O'Connor. We were almost at the same time with Dave. We were both getting trained. And so I look for CRM company. RL O'Connor said, no, we have a marketing company. We can do your postcards. I said, great. So they handed me an envelope and it had 12 codes on the envelope. And I said, what's this? Say, no, you take your 30 days of invoices and you shove them in the envelope and you use the codes and mark each invoice with a code on what type of recurring service is that and what interval you want. I thought, guys, we got a rover on Mars and you guys are giving me... Oh, that's funny. <laughs> so I just couldn't believe it, right? So my CCI triad had a D-base, an old database. So I cracked open Crystal Report's book and I said, I find every oil change. So I said, okay, oil change, right? And then W5, you know, and look through the million records and stop. I say, oh, okay, so I have to do some exceptions. Okay, not transmissions, not transfer cases, not transmissions, because that has a different fluid, but differential work. And so then I was pretty good at finding the oil change. And then I did that for air filters and I did about 10 things and it worked like a charm, right? So then I bought a Pit Me Bose printer to print letters to my customers of what services they needed. And that's how EOTA Club was founded or Service Intelligence was founded. Wow. Was this all DOS-based still? No, I was using Windows to do the programming because my DOS-based was just because that's what the shop had for the last six or seven years and it worked great. So it didn't matter to me and it doesn't matter to the vehicle owner. Now there's a lot of talk that the new management systems are facilitating the information and their phone base. So this is back then it didn't matter. Now it does a lot more. But yeah, no, I used Crystal Reports and created reports mapping all the fields that I needed. And then I went to my RL O'Connor class and they always said, hey, you contribute to the class. So I said, guys, you remember that envelope? <laughs> Forget it. Because there was five shops in there that were using CCI Try It also. So I said, I'll do the marketing for you. So I was thrown out. <laughs> <laughs> I contributed too much. <laughs> oh my God, that's too funny. So, so the power of that story, though, is really the entrepreneurial inside of George is he saw a need in our industry. We got to fix this broken thing called, hey, Mr. Jones, what do you need? I'm the trained professional. I should be the one telling Mr. Jones what they need. And we do a process and I did it at my shop. And I hear shops tell me that they love their customers. Great. Are you prepping every repair order a week out? And they go, well, no. Are you prepping them for the next day? Well, we kind of know what's coming in. Could you have parts on order for them? No, they're not prepared for that customer. So what happened? When you're not prepared for the customer, you are not proactive. You are reactive, or as I call amateur active, because you're not pro. When you're prepared for the customer, you pre-order parts. You know how it's best going to fit in the schedule. You know that your appointment, instead of being just an oil change with 0.5 or 0.7 or 8 with courtesy reliability inspection, you reserve that time. 
But now you can know ahead of time, you know what, there's another hour and a half, two hours of preventative maintenance work that needs to go with that car. I'm going to make the appointment an efficient appointment so the drop-off is efficient, so the advisor is efficient, so the tech gets handed a very efficient repair order, not pull it in, pull it out, shuffle vehicles all day long. And then the whole process then is highly, very highly efficient. But when George saw that, wait a second, we're having the customer? They're not a trained professional. We are. So he creates this solution and now it's expanded greatly instead of 10 services, you know, 35, 40 services plus that we can track all with that in a click of a button. In my shop, I had an Excel manual form and there were times it would take 10 to 15 minutes every vehicle to go through. Okay, we did a power steering service a little over three years ago. They had this kind of mileage on it now. It's this kind of mileage. Okay, do the math. What's kind of what they drive? Is it really due? Is it not due? There was just a lot of human thinking that had to go into it when the computer already knew all that data stuff. And so the technology is out there now and I think George's company is one of the early AI companies, so to speak, could predict based on how the customer drove it. That solution is now partnered with a CRM that advisors saying on the counter, every shop has experienced this when you have a CRM company that sends a postcard out to the service that the customer just had done. Hey, Dave, I just had this timing belt job done. Why am I getting a card that says the timing belt needs to be? Don't pay attention to the card. It's not in alignment with what we actually did. It doesn't know. And I had one week, I had two or three customers. I told them, yeah, don't pay attention to the card. Don't pay attention to the card. Don't pay attention to the card. At the end of the week, I'm like, I got the bill for the cards. And I'm, wait, <laughs> I'm telling my customers don't pay attention to something I'm paying for to send out. It was just like this aha moment that I had with it. There's also something else, right? That our technicians, they get fatigued, right? And they have to do inspections and often they are not being compensated for the amount of attention that they have to give. And I got an inspection where this technician had put down the pen and dragged it down, checking all the boxes. This guy was so lazy, he wouldn't check them. He would just do one line. Yeah, all is good. I said, yeah. It's not going to work. And so what happens is, think about this. The tech's got to go pull the cover off, pull the cabin filter out when he could have a history report printed in a couple of seconds to go, I don't need to pull it out. It's more efficient. We just did that six months ago. It doesn't need it now. I don't even need to pull it out and inspect it. And there are certain things that saves efficiency. So like in our shop, I had a manual form. I'd fill it out manually every time, highlight what needs to be done and circle the things that don't need to be done. So the techs didn't have to go pull the cabin filter out, pull the wheels off for brake inspection because we just did them seven months ago. There was that quick history for the tech. It just made the tech so much more efficient. Apex 2023 will be here sooner than you realize. So make a commitment, plan ahead, and register now at aapexshow.com. This year, you'll find a strong offering of management, technical, and service advisor training to include J2534 module programming, deciphering gas turbo drivability, ADAS calibration, and strategies for dealing with difficult customers among another 30 classes. Bring your thirst for knowledge, determination to network, and curiosity to Las Vegas, October 31st through November 2nd, 2023. Head to aapexshow.com and register now and sign up for the classes that you want. And a highlight at Apex is meeting top industry execs ready to talk with you about your business needs, parts programs, and tools so if you're in your living in the automotive aftermarket, then Apex is for you. Spend time at Joe's Garage and see tools and equipment in action. Register now. AAPEXshow.com, 31st of October through November 2nd, 2023. Apex, now more than ever. Hey, let's face it. Your shop management system is the single most important tool in your shop, period. 
Napa Tracks has made selecting the right shop management system easy by offering the industry's best, most comprehensive SMS. Now, it all starts when a local representative meets with you to learn about your business and how you need to run it. After all, it's your shop, so it's your choice. And having local representation is a huge plus. Customizing tracks to your business, whether you're a one-person shop or a large multi-bay or multi-location company, a representative consults with you to help optimize your shop's workflow, efficiency, and profitability. Tracks always has the flexibility to do business how you need to do it, which means it can also grow as your business grows. And unlike the other guys, we'll be there for you after installation with the best training and support in the business. Yes, a learning management system tailored to each role in your company. Simply put, Trax was designed and built for shop owners just like you. Visit us on the web at NapaTrax. That's N-A-P-A-T-R-A-C-S dot com. Dave, are you telling your clients, listen, you've got to move more to, toward maintenance? Oh my gosh. Here's the soapbox. So there's three labors in the shop. Actually, there's four. I'll talk about the three main ones. Diag, PM, and repair. If you think about it, diagnostic and repair are the two most volatile labors in your shop. They create fires just in the nature because something broke and everything now with that condition on the car is all a reactionary context. Preventative maintenance, how many comebacks you get from preventative maintenance? Almost none. What's your liability? Almost none. The only liability is if you happen to be on a program like BG where you have a lifetime protection plan, you just got to make sure you keep the customer in that cycle, which we can now accurately track. Of the three labors... You build your business on preventative maintenance and you will have less fires. I lost count of how many shop owners say, you know, Dave, we had so many fires in a business. And after being coached by you, I had to look at what really stopped all the fire in my business or the majority of them. They're always still going to be fires no matter what you do because our vehicles break. Even with the best of maintenance, sometimes they break. So we're always, sometimes we're in that repair mode, diag and repair. So in preventative maintenance, and, and he said, I have to say, Dave, I've come to the conclusion that prepping the repair order, it put out at least two to three fires per customer per day, per advisor. And when you reduce that amount of fire putting out, you have so much more free time to do the very thing you need to do. And that's build relationship with your customer to spend the extra two to five minutes going over a vehicle report with them about preventative maintenance while you do it. The three labors, diag, PM, repair, each one has a volume in your shop. And this is not a sales goal. This is a vehicle requirement. Preventative maintenance, 50% of your labor should be preventative maintenance when you set your business up correctly. 25% should be diagnostic and 25% should be repair. The problem is, is that we built our business. Most shops are 80 to 90% repair, 5 to 10% of diag, and the rest of it's PM service. They're behind them. Hardly any. And so the fourth labor, which is a direct derivative of diag and repair, is called warranty labor. Whoops, I diagnosed it wrong. There's a lot of liability in diagnostics with only, and I've heard this from different factory manufacturer trainings from current trainers in the industry and from being on site when I go to a shop sometimes as a former master level tech even though I hung that sold my tools a long time ago I still keep on top of that there's times I'm going to be the lead drivability tech when I go to that shop and help the advisors sell more now they sold something that we outsold the technology level so I go out there with the techs and I find out I'm looking the flowchart 60 to 80 percent depending on the manufacturer of the diagnostic flowcharts have never been validated which means they don't know the manufacturer well it should do this it should do that. And so with the diagnostic flowcharts, 60 to 80% have only been validated. You have a fair amount 
that haven't been, you set up your technicians, if their only training they've had is diagnostic flowchart thinking versus theory-based thinking that you get from like, you know, Diagnation and Gary Smith and Adam Robertson, their training philosophy is more about theory-based diagnostics is way more powerful. Anyway, name drop for Gary Smith there. But your diagnostics set you up for failure right from the manufacturer. Then you go to, you misdiagnose it, but you think it is. So you now go to the repair process, do the repair and inside of the repair, whoops, wrong part, bin break difference, different part. I got a different estimate to my customer now and we're putting out fires all day long from this. Okay. So I need a power steering service, cabin filter, oil change and a tire rotate and brake inspection. How much effort is needed to go do that? How many fires are really going to be around that? Very, very little. And so what businesses really go after preventative maintenance based on what the vehicle requires, you PM your database to death. And I do this all the time with shops. You know, shops are getting anywhere from 400 to 600 grand of new GP dollars in 12 months. We PM shops at fully buy into preventative maintenance like they should. In about four or five months, they're running at 90 to 120% preventative maintenance services penetration in their mix. I said, okay, you better put a good marketing campaign to go get new clients. And they go, why is that? Because you're going to PM your database to death with rightly so, but they're not going to break down, which is why 50% preventative maintenance yields 25% diag and 25% repair because when you PM your database, you don't have all those fire generating labors inside of your shop. So you better turn on some new marketing, get some new customers in the door because what will happen is, is they're not going to break down. They're not going to need another service for two to three years. And now your you customers love you back. Yeah. before doing that yeah and they don't even know it george mm-hmm. they don't even know why they love you so much because you've been able to mold for them what that vehicle needs to come in for and it's almost like if we ignore talking to them about the value of doing the pms and shame on us because to me that's a retention tactic as long as they know what it is that we're doing for now i got the soapbox uh to stand on You're absolutely right, Carm. And the marketing shops don't consider the front calendar as marketing, but it actually is the most important aspect of our business. And and a lot of promotions are done and AdWords and pay-per-clicks. And I mean, you can spend a lot of money in acquiring new customers, which is a necessary ingredient. But how do you get them to come a second visit so that you make your investment worthwhile, right? Because that's really the trick. And so in providing the vehicle owner with a baseline where if there's records that are available on Carfax, for example, and Nancy's called me and she says she's coming in. She gave me her license plate. I say, oh, I see there's four records on Carfax. I'm going to add them to our system so that we don't sell you something prematurely. So already it's a little different, right? And I tell her, bring me your folder. And it won't take long. I only need the last oil change. I don't need all of them, right? And I want to see just when you had your battery and your tires, et cetera. You know, you go through the services that she had done and I build for her a vehicle profile that may have four, five, six things in the blue that says, I give this report to my technician so that he knows that these things are not necessary. So the reason why we do this is because ambulances, police cars, and fire trucks 
do this. They have a fleet service manager making sure that all the maintenance and all the consumables like the brake pad and lubricants and air filters, those only last so long. And then your engine performance is suffering because no air is flowing through that air filter. So customers understand. Now I have basically created a service experience for this customer because I print out her report in color and I hand it to her and, and I say this, you know, if you're on a trip, put this in the glove compartment so that you know when you go to another shop, hand it to them so that they know that these things are not needed. Now I've become the safe space for that new customer. So now Nancy feels, wow, when was the last time a shop spent 10 minutes not selling me something, right? So this ties into the idea of also telling her, if If it's in the red, we do it for you. That's how we keep you from having to go to the dealership prematurely. If you want to have the new LED lights, well, that's a different story, you know. But otherwise, this car is good for a quarter million miles or 300,000 miles. And everything will work in the vehicle because I will make sure of that. It's one of those things, Carm, as you said, you know, the customers, they don't really know you love it back. I'm going to suggest that they actually do. In Dave's Auto Repair in Gig Harbor, here's the reputation I had in town. Dave is honest as, as the day is long, funny. He's a great shop. You know, at first it seemed like maybe he was a little bit more expensive. And I loved that venue because it, it weeded out the people who were not my customers. He said, but you know what? After I take my car in there for a while, it doesn't break down. Like it's always broken down over the years from all the time I've had my car serviced at other shops. It's because I, the belief in preventative maintenance and too many advisors, owners, managers, and technicians believe that preventative maintenance is discretionary spending. Here's the way to find out your true maintenance plan. If you love your customers, I challenge every shop listening to this. For the next 30 days, every car that is broken in your shop, you're doing some sort of repair. I want you to ask the question, what could have been done 12, 24, 36, 48, or 60 months ago that would have prevented this situation? Well, Dave, I got a power window motor that's that's broke. What's the preventative maintenance? Great. When's the last time you looped the window sliding trucks? What do you mean? Okay, well, the window sliding trucks become dry. There's more tension on the motor. The amperage goes up and it starts to burn the brushes. I mean, guys, this is just mechanical, electrical, hydraulic, mm-hmm. 101 understanding. But you go out to your shop for the next 30 days. I challenge shops. Go out there and say, what could have been done to prevent that? And you want a real-world maintenance plan? That's your real-world maintenance plan. You rely on the manufacturer's maintenance plan. Here's what it is. So when I was a Chevrolet Master Tech and an accredited service, a Chevrolet service manager, which means I had the authority to call some things when they're gray outside of warranty. And so I would look at their maintenance plan and get, I got involved with quite a few vehicles with the, the engineers, not field engineers. I got quite a few involved with that. One guy actually helped them build a shop and or grow a shop in Gig Harbor. But when I talk to the engineers, I go, why are you calling transmission fluid at 60,000, 100,000 miles or lifetime fluid? He goes, we didn't call that. What do you mean you didn't call it? (laughs) We know it needs to be done at 30,000. You're towing and stop and go traffic and heavy thing. You do it at 15,000. The bean counters came down and says, hey, our cars look too expensive to own. So we don't want to call a fluid service. We want to call an inspection. And so we leave it to the technician in the service bay to do one scientific test, maybe two. The first scientific test is, what's the color? There's not a lot of science involved there. And then number two is, we might have for coolant and brake fluid, we got a water content or pH balance. And that's really the scientific testing done in the service 
Bay, and it's irrelevant. In Dave's Auto Repair, I sent three samples of transmission fluid out, somewhere between 27 to 30,000 miles. All three reports came back from different cars, different, it wasn't the same car, different fluids. And they came back saying they were at least 60% or more depleted in anti-foaming and some of the other thick film uptake some of the other critical components that are inside of chemically engineered fluids now. So it's 60% depleted at 25 to 30,000 miles, but we don't call the fluid till 60 or 100. That's just not going to work. So interesting. My daughter has a Rogue, a Nissan Rogue. She was told by these great friends we have in the industry, Tracy, how many miles on the car? She said it's 56,000. She says, change the transmission fluid. Go to the dealer. They won't touch it for 100. And I got to stop, Georgia. I know I have an answer for you, but I'm sitting here on these thoughts that because of the paradigm shift that we're here talking about that is so needed and necessary, we can tell our customers if we want to love on them, love on them. We're tracking, we're managing, we're caring, we're minimizing breakdowns, we're giving you safety and reliability. And that's why you come here. Tell your friends, put it in the glove compartment. If someone said, I have this DNA, this lab test from Quest Diagnostics on my car, it's in my glove compartment, why would I go any other place for a blood test? Exactly. It creates the loyalty, not only for the new customers, the, the example I gave, but to our existing customer who say, yeah, look at what we're doing now and implement service management because they're worth it. And I want to use the other side of this. The love needs to also happen internally in the business. Yes. Let's love our service writers. Let's love our technicians. And this address is a fundamental. You know, I've learned so much from Dave because I go to the trainings that he does. And is it okay to quote some of the track record? <laughs> okay, the last. Oh, yeah. yeah. Five-man shop, service writer, owner, three techs. Dave does analysis that we would offer free to anybody that watches your video carm and all they need to do is call the phone number that's behind Dave. We will do the analysis on what the labor rate should be. And love the owner, right? Because it starts <laughs> with 25% net to the owner. That's the first number that's added there, right? And these are percentages. And then we go the warranty and all this stuff, you know, the vacation uh, pay and the tax and the part cost. So he builds the labor rate, which has nothing to do with the guy on my left and what's the guy across the street. Where are their labor rates? I'll put mine down the middle, which is the worst thing you can do in business. So that's the first thing Dave did for the shop. Second thing is we implemented the compensation bonuses for the team. And Dave does pretty thorough training, which is to 10 days on site, to really get the understanding that we are not talking about doing something unethical and overselling to customers. It's the opposite. And when you charge the right amount, now you can pay your tax and the settings for the amount of time that should be charged, depending on the type of function, like, for example, diagnostics, which is two for one. And so for services, when the technicians now are wondering, you know, well, when am I going to get the pay that I need because of inflation and everything else? You know who has the power? It's the service riders. The service riders have to sell three, four hours per work order in order for the technicians to be able to make a decent living. When you fix the labor rate so that the owner of the vehicle pays the right amount, 
Now the efficiency rate for the services that are being performed at are 130, 150%. So the tech that is earning $30 an hour is effectively now being paid, or $35 an hour is effectively earning $50 an hour. And that's how you retain a tech. Now you've got $100,000 techs. And now the parts guy comes around and the techs say, yeah, this is like the best place to work. So now if you're looking for techs, take care of the people you have and also the compensation. And Dave, you can give some numbers, right? I mean, this is not the only shop, but half a million in gross profit. 80,000 goes to the staff. 80%. I'm sorry, you're right. So as you look at the compensation, it's different in every store. Over the last couple of years, I've had some techs who made another 35000 in a year. One tech was over $50,000 more in a year. And it on was- On top of what they were earning. On top of yeah. what they were earning. Yeah. That was added for the next 12 months. It's not just raising your pricing because what happens is the reason prices aren't raised to what they should be is pure and simple. It's, a, it's the F word, the four little F word. Fear. I'm afraid I'm going to lose a customer. Really what the fear is about is really trusting yourself that you have the ability to express the value. The reason I come on site, because there's a certain amount of training, webinar that can be done, seminar room that could be done, books you can read. But until you're live in a real world environment and you hear how they're actually saying it, the timing of the words, the emphasis on the word, the energy of the words, until you hear what that is and the nuance of what they're saying, you won't have a shift. Most customers or most clients of ours, they'll raise one to 1.5 hours for per order, usually within four or five days, if they truly fully implement. I bet at shops, one shop added two hours for a parator. Next shop, they added 0.5. What was the difference? They're committed to their fear level. They wouldn't let go. And so you want to ask yourself as you're doing this, the reason a lot of shops don't want to do the data mining is because that means I'm going to have to present more. That means I'm going to have that many more opportunities for the customer to say no, and I don't want to get a no. So what's driving your business at that point? Loving your customers or protecting your fear? Dave, I'm really concerned. I love it. I'm bought in, but I'm sorry. I can't get through this granite head of mine because this repair order tornado that makes me all this money because I feed on that. I have to have it because those are real labor dollars. What's this? This maintenance stuff is just going to kill my business, isn't it, Dave? It'll grow your business like you would not believe. It's like the oxymoron statements that you could ever say. Stop selling parts and labor with dollars attached to it and start selling what the customer wants. Peace of mind. And by the time you got a diagonal repair, they are no longer in peace of mind. They are in panic, frustration. I don't know where the money's going to come from and that. And if we don't recommend preventative maintenance, we set our customers up to have what I call unpeace of mind. They won't have it in that scenario. You want to love your customers, do the preventative maintenance to do the very thing they want to buy. Peace of mind and do it at its fullness. High energy, step into when Mr. Jones wants to defer for the second or third time, a fluid that's already noted beyond mileage and time and or dark, you soft sell it, you short live the service that system on the car, not the customer saying no. You know what we need to do, guys? You two need to come back. And in the fourth box here, we need to have someone, Dave, that you converted. Steve. Yep, we'll have Steve. You need to have somebody on here who says, I was an A-sir. Wait a minute. And then I did this paradigm shift in my business. And I start working two days a week. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not, but and now we're, this work, guy has we're working towards people that because they, he lost one of the tags and he's still on track for half a million new gross dollars that he didn't have a year before. 
It's like that. One of the things that I want to know is customer retention, technician retention, and and the whole paradigm shift in the level of stress that goes on inside of a business. Again, you may be doing more dollars with less stress. Isn't that a hell of an objective? Absolutely. And so here's what happens. Again, the diagon repair are the hardest to train technicians in. They're also the hardest to train advisors in. And so what I had done over the years is when I was training advisors, I'd say, okay, when a check engine light comes on and the check engine light is flashing, here's five, six questions always asked. The technicians, we always want these questions asked. From that, you may want to ask some more. So what I did is I built a canned job with what I call common complaints. Those questions, when they pulled up a check engine light flashing, those questions come up to speed. It's called knowledge base. And then you have canned jobs for value words and reasonings that show on paper. And if you're texting your repair to now, it shows high level of value words and reasonings, not our intake, $800. Gives high value words and reasonings to that makes sense. And then partnered with that, the only system in your business that will ever, ever turn on, sustain, perpetuate, and be truly marketable to, the only system in your business that ever sells anything is your value words and reasonings. Whether it's a picture, a video, it's your value expression to the customer. And advisors typically are taking the path of least resistance, short amount of time. I'm busy. I'm busy. They became a repair order puppy mill and they don't have the time to spend with a customer with effective communication. And when you add another hour, hour and a half, two hours to a repair order, then you have the space where you don't need the chaos of that every repair order puts in in a shop. So bringing up an advisor who is gifted in personality and gifted in skills and sales and customer service, you find them at a, at a, in a hospitality environment, you find them All at right. a restaurant, and now you can bring a non-automobile speaking person up to speed in a short amount of time around diagnostics because of common complaints, around preventative maintenance because now they know what subjects to talk to the customer based on they're given a compass of what to talk to. Yeah, the service intelligence report addresses newbies that don't know anything about cars. They come across like experts. So guys, look at I'm sold. This paradigm shift is critical. I was sold in 2017, George. We never did anything about that. But here's the deal. The strategy is perfect. I get it. I understand. We have proof that it's, it's working. And this is probably a very smart time to actually look to make a shift in your business. So you need to come back. But we also need to talk about the integration of how Service Intel works inside of the POS systems. And I don't want to get into the whole technical side of that now, George, but because we're like some 40 minutes in. But I think we need to say, look, at you press a button or two or there's an API, whatever those really cool terms are that we do this research for you. It goes up in the cloud and we're constantly feeding per customer all of this great information that they need to know and have and that our inspection is based on, I'm assuming, all of that. So All is true. Okay. You know, the shift, Carmi, we always hear that you need to shift and change and we use the term paradigm shift. For some people in the industry, they need a pair of quarters shift. It's going to cost them more because they got to let go of their fear. They got to let go of their fear. I could count on you to do a good close for us. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, this was great. I'm, I guess, allured by what could really happen to the shop, my shop, your shop, who's listening. And just sitting down with your team. I love talking about these team meetings that we need to have every week and just tossing up on the table an idea like this. 
it could take a while. The owner's bought in, but then he's got to sell down to his team. He's got to pull them, sell down and then pull up a paradigm, a paracorder change in their business, but ultimately realize that we're loving on our customers more than they'll ever appreciate. We've got to work on that. And then my next thought, I had, I'd never had a chance to ask you if Diax 25, PM's 50, repairs 25, and you can move uh, PM up to 70, for example. I would imagine that Diag goes up because those customers, they're going to have older cars, 10 years old. They're going to need they're going to need some research on what's possibly wrong with those cars. And then repair is, is critical, I imagine. So then having a great ATEC and keep the training going and all the right tools will help round out that, that mix of business. Yeah, we go into deep into the three labors. Each one of those has efficiency. Preventative maintenance, you set your CAN jobs to automatically build in 150% efficiency. You build Diag at 200%, two for one, and repair at 135 So you know the volume, you know the percentage of the efficiencies for them. You systemize the three labors, and then you able to manage that through a CRM that sends out the exact message. The service advisor says, Mr. Jones, you know, we've, these are all the things we've done for this service. We get all done with that. And then they say the computers automatically book your next appointment so we can stay connected with your car so nothing gets missed. So you have that peace of mind. And then the message that they give of what they need the next time is the postcard, email or text they get that matches what the advisor says. There's so many times, advisors, we are sick and tired of pulling out the spatula, scraping the egg off our face when they got a postcard of something that we just did. That in our industry has got to stop. And you can only do that with predictive analytics of the line items of how they drive. Last word, George. Well, I just love the idea that through technology, we will overcome the huge shortage of qualified staff. And like repeating what Dave was saying, arming a person from the retail industry that is their first day and they have the 350 common complaints and you just type a couple of words and it will show you which one is the complaint that picks it. Now she has the question, says, oh, is it a blinking engine light? Or is it a solid banking light? Does it happen immediately when you turn the car on? Or is it after it warms? And she doesn't know anything about cars, right? But she comes across like the most qualified service writer and now prints out the service report, which has all the history based on the 17 miles Nancy's driving. And now she provides the core message. We are on a shop. We are thorough. We add all your records. And the only thing we ask is that if something's in the red, let us pull it out and we will give you the most economical maintenance program when they come by. And so that comes together as a winning formula for our industry. Listen, Dave Shadeen, CompuTrack Automotive Solutions, CompuTrackSystems.com, George Anico, Service-Intel.com. Cool little labor rate tracker on that website. You got to go get it because I think that comes from Dave and you guys work together on that. Yes. We started out talking love. We ended up all about scientific stuff and the words predictive analysis. <gasps> My head's heavy. I can't believe it. Wow. So thank you all so much. You got, you got to come back. We're going to bring a shop owner on that changed their world, kind of their life a little bit in, in adapting this. I don't think there's anything here. I Not too much I could argue with. So thank you both so much. Thank you for having us. Oh, thanks, George. I know you learned something, my listener out there. I'm positive you did. So now go get it done. See you guys. Thank you. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.